Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. So thank you for that. Uh, it is my birthday, my 36th birthday, um, by the way. So, and I do feel old, but that's okay. Some of you are like, you are not old, but um, 36 feels like I'm, I'm getting there. Like I'm, I got some experience behind me and hopefully quite a bit to come. So anyway, uh, if you're new to ACF, we're glad that you're here with us today. And we also want to welcome everybody who's with us online. Can we thank them for being part of our family as well today? Man, um, we are in a series of talks called Airplane Mode, and it has been really helpful and challenging for me personally just to kind of take a look at all of the input, especially in technology that I have in my life. And so um, this, this whole series, we spent four weeks just talking about um, what technology is taking away from us. And so this is not an anti-technology series. Uh, I'm going to be preaching off an iPad. We're going to be streaming on Facebook. And, and so uh, if you love technology, know that, uh, that we do too. But uh, we're also asking the question, what are we losing? What's actually being taken away from us as we sort of receive what is handed to us in terms of just the busyness of our lives, especially experienced through all the devices that we seem to have on us at any given point. And um, really kind of the, the series that we're in was birthed out of this realization that we're not becoming less anxious as a society, but more anxious. Uh, We're not becoming less stressed or uh, frustrated with each other. We're becoming more frustrated and stressed with each other. And so because of all that, we just wanted to stop and and look at these things from an outside perspective and just ask the question, what is it that we are losing? And and even at a deeper level, what what is the human need that God has put inside of us as human beings that we're trying to kind of fulfill through the things that we spend our time on. And so uh, if you're brand new to our church or to this series and uh, you haven't been part of this conversation, you can watch all of these online. You can d- go download those, uh, those first three videos and watch all of this with us. But this week, as we close out this series, before we get into it, what I want you to do is pull out your cell phone real quick. Um, we, we're trying to utilize your technology as much as we can. Uh, what I want you to do is at any point during this message today, I'd love for you to text in 
a question. Any questions that you might have or challenges that you've experienced as you have wrestled with putting boundaries on technology in your life. Uh, And so what we're going to do next week, and this is new for us, is we're going to dedicate an entire week just to Q&A. Uh, What we've realized over the past few years is that you guys respond really well when we have you text in questions, and oftentimes there are more questions that we ever have time to answer, and so we're going to do this occasionally through the next years. We're going to stop between our series, and we're just going to do a very interactive interactive service, and so um, if you've got a friend that is not churched, that is somebody who's sort of interested in faith, it'd be a great week to bring them next week. Uh, We're going to actually be receiving questions during uh, our, our talk as well, and so we'll be... Uh, talking back and forth about this topic specifically. What's hard about drawing boundaries on technology? How has this challenged you um, just in, in general in your life? And we'd love to hear from you on that. And if there's just another question that you're like, it doesn't have anything to do with technology, but this is a struggle I have with God, we'd love to hear it. We, we'll try to get to that as well. And so text us in at any point during the message. We'd love to hear from you. So today, this last week, I mean, we have talked about Netflix, we've talked about Instagram, we've talked about YouTube, and this last week we're talking about gaming. So who here has a game on their phone? Anybody have a game downloaded on their phone? So most of you have, uh, you might not call yourself a gamer, but you're a gamer. You've got a game on your phone, and I get it, like when you're supposed to be working, you're candy crushing, or building some Minecraft, or you're doing something to just kill some time. Um, and I just think of like, like my journey with gaming and, you know, as a kid, we started off life by just playing Uno, right? That was how we killed time as a family at the dinner table. And then I remember the Christmas that my dad brought home the first Nintendo and it was a big deal. Uh, I remember plugging that thing in and then I think it came with three games. It came with Duck Hunt, remember Duck Hunt? And Track and Field, uh, we, we even got the little pad, you know, where you just, you pound the buttons with your hands so you can actually beat your, your brother at the game. And then, of course, Super Mario Brothers. And so our evenings were booked as a family for at least a year. That's all we did. Every evening, getting together. And for me, that was fond memories with my brother, uh, with my dad, just spending time playing video games. Uh, and then I got into high school, and, and then we got the N64, the Nintendo 64. We started playing GoldenEye. Anybody remember GoldenEye? Th- this game was revolutionary. As all of a sudden, we were playing multiplayer, and you, know, you could play with your friends and split screen. And Then about my senior year, I just kind of stopped playing games. And so as I was preparing for this message this week, I'm like, I am not the resident expert at gaming. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't care anything about video games, um, know that I'm kind of with you. And yet at the same time, what I realized as I was wrestling through this is there is a, a, lot of, a lot of truth hidden beneath this topic. There are a lot of deep human needs hidden beneath this. And, and people go to games for a lot of different things just to kill some time, just to get away from life for a minute. Uh, some of you have a job where you don't feel productive at all. And so you go home and you, you plug into a system just to feel like you accomplished something in your day. Just to, even if it's just in a virtual world, at least it feels like you did something. And I would say for a lot of people today, especially teenagers that you talk to, gaming is about community. Gaming is, it's it's a chance to connect with your friends and you're playing online and there's relationships that are built and and you might not get it, but there is a lot that's happening there relationally when it comes to gaming. And so as we look at the, the progress of technology and how things have changed over the years, gaming it has become absolutely huge. There are 2.5 billion gamers globally. This is a $80 billion global industry. I mean, it's massive. And people spend hours, if not days, of their lives playing games. 
And so, and I, I was just thinking, you know, how far this has come. When I was a kid, I remember they were starting to come out with, with 3D movies. And so we went on a family vacation to Disney World, and we went to our first 3D movie. It was called Michael Jackson Moonwalker. Anybody? Anybody? See, you're like, he is old. Uh, some of you have no idea about that. Michael J- it, was, it was this 3D movie, and it was terrible. Like, you put on these glasses, and just a little bit of it seemed 3D. Most of it seemed like a regular 2D movie. But now, things have progressed uh, to this. What do we got here? Do you guys know what these, these are? These are, these are VR glasses, virtual reality glasses, and um, we're not giving these away. Ryan would probably kill me. Ryan's our production director. He brought these in for me today. Um, this is amazing. The technology has come so far that gaming is now, it is immersive, right? The goal is that you feel like you are there. I mean, everything, every, every sense is at its peak as you're playing these video games. And so that is really the goal, is that you feel like you are somewhere else in this kind of fantasy world, that you can be away from just your daily life, the grind, and you can get into this virtual world and get some space. And again, I'm going to tell you that, um, that at its face value, there's nothing wrong with this. We can spend some time, especially on a snowy day, just playing games and, and, and having some fun. And it may seem harmless. But I'll tell you that at some point, we begin to sacrifice the good stuff of real life for a digital version that ultimately robs us of the sense of value that every human being is actually longing for. There is a tendency in all of us to pursue a fantasy when God wants to give us a vision. And that's really where I want to spend our time today is that uh, there is this drive to pursue some kind of false digital version of something or even imaginary version of something that God wants to actually redeem and give you something better in real life. And as I think about gaming, games all have different themes, right? Games have different themes, but God wants to give our lives an overarching vision. And as I look at, look at the games that, we've, that we play, they all have different kinds of themes. My life has a theme, and your life has a theme. And even as I go through life, we have different themes. Maybe your, your theme of your life is tragedy right now. Or, or it's humor, or it's labor and work, or you are building a family, or heading off to college, or planning for retirement. Your life has a theme, but God wants to give your life a vision. And there, there's this really well-known verse that I want to bring up this morning. This is Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, and it says this. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. So the first thing that I want you to acknowledge today is that we need a vision. How many of you, just a show of hands, would you say that vision is important in your life? Having a vision is important? How about like in your job or if you own a business, whatever it is, it's important to have a vision. Now, how many of you, if I asked you to stand up, could clearly articulate your vision for life? Okay, a lot less hands, right? So everybody in the room raises their hands and says vision is really important, but a lot fewer of us are actually able to articulate, where is my life headed? What is my life about? And and as I think about vision, vision is really, uh, it's like like bumper bowling. If you ever played bumper bowling. Vision is like the bumpers for our life. It's what keeps us centered. It's what keeps us going the right direction. And, And vision helps us to say no to things and to say yes to different things. And these restraints, these bumpers, are extremely important. It's how we keep our lives going a certain direction. As a church, we have a vision. 
and we throw this around a lot, this is what we say over and over again, that our vision is that it would be in Alaska as it is in heaven. That's our vision as a church, is we want to see heaven come to Alaska. And through the way that we live our lives, we will be able to show people a little bit of heaven or a little bit of hell, right? And you know when, when which is which is coming out of your mouth, don't you? I mean, and sometimes you realize, like, I don't think a little bit of heaven's coming out of my mouth today, right? I think, I, I think a little bit of something different is coming out of my, or even out of my life. Am I bringing a little bit of heaven to this state or heaven to my family, you know, or heaven to my workplace or my relationships? And so that's our vision uh, as, a, as a church. And here's the thing. We didn't make it up. <laughs> We stole it from Jesus. So in, in, uh, in Mark chapter 1, we, we read Jesus' vision, really. This is his statement that he makes over and over again. He says this in verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is Jesus' vision statement. This is really what he's giving to the world to say, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, if you grew up in the church, then you've heard the word gospel thrown around. Uh, And if you're not a churchgoer, you might feel like that's a really kind of religious-sounding word, but the word gospel just means good news. It comes from the word evangelion, which is where we get the word evangelism. And so we are to be uh, heralds of the good news, those who are telling people what the good news is. Now, what, what, is, what is the good news? Like, what is the good news that we as God's people are actually giving to the world? Well, I'll tell you that I, I think in a lot of church circles, the good news kind of, has kind of been hijacked, that the vision of the kingdom of God has been hijacked, and that the good news is now made all about you and I. And so when people say, well, what's the gospel? Most people would say, well, it's that Jesus died for my sins. Now, now is that true? He did, right? So, so G, we believe that God himself, incarnate, came to the world in the flesh, in the person of Jesus, who ultimately sacrificed himself for the sins of humanity to rest, restore our relationship with God. Absolutely. But here's what you need to understand, is that the gospel is not centered on you. And that's why it's good news, right? Because a life vision centered on you or centered on me is not a worthy vision. We as God's people, or as people in general, were created for a bigger vision. So the gospel, the good news, is actually the story of God reigning and ruling on earth as it is in heaven. And as God's people, we see this coming. We believe that Jesus came, and he started this whole thing in motion, and that one day we will see God return to earth. Jesus will return to establish his reign and rule. And at that point, that every wrong will be made right. And all that's destroyed and broken in this world will be restored. And that's really good news. And it's bigger than about you or about me. Sure, God saved us from our sins. But this vision is about God being on the throne of this world. And that's a better story, right? That's a little bigger than like, hey, God's whole story is about me. Well, then who's God in that story? I am, right? Instead, we proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God just as Jesus proclaimed it. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus, when he says this, he just got away from 40 days in the desert. And so understand this, that if you want a vision for your life, it's probably not going to come when all the noise is coming at you. It's probably not going to be something that makes sense to you when you've got your VR headsets on or when you're surfing Facebook all the time or when you're on Netflix. And once again, these are all things that aren't necessarily inherently bad, but when they rob you of your vision, 
you need to take notice, right? When they're robbing you of the space that you need to see the bigger purpose of your life, it's time to take notice. So what's your vision? How have you maybe traded a vision of, for your life for maybe some kind of fantasy? Or a lot of times what we do is we trade visions for goals. So you might say, well, you know, I want to get married someday. Like, that's a goal. You might say, well, I want to own a house someday outright and not have a house payment. That's a goal. You might want to graduate college. That's a goal, right? But, but those, those aren't a worthy vision for your life. See, simply, goals are what you do, but vision is what you're about, And when you get those mixed up, man, it ends up being a a wasted life. And and my heart for us today is that we would kind of stop for a second and just ask the question of ourselves, do we have a vision for our lives? Or are we wasting the vision of our life by pursuing a goal or pursuing some kind of fantasy in one way or another? There's this great passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And if you haven't read the book of Ecclesiastes, I'd really encourage you to do it. A a lot of Christians think it's the most depressing book of the Bible. Um, I think it's one of the most encouraging books of the Bible. But it's only encouraging if you have a vision. If your vision for life is just, you know, YOLO, right? Enjoy as much as I can out of this moment. Have as much fun as I can right now. And then one day I'll die and figure out what's next. Like, if your vision for life is that, then Ecclesiastes is super depressing. Because he keeps saying, basically, you are temporary. Which we all need to hear that once in a while. Like, your life is temporary. We are here today and gone tomorrow. And we all need to be reminded of that. But if you don't have a vision, then that's just depressing, right? That's less time to have fun. That's less time to enjoy what's right in front of my face. He says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And you're going to hear this kind of poetic cadence in what I'm saying here in just a minute. He says this. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen The burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. But listen, he has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So God has set eternity on your heart. So so wherever you're at with God today, if you're close to God, you feel like, man, God seems so real in my life. He seems so tangible. Or if you're here today and you're just like, I'm not even sure what I think about being here or being in church. Know this, that God has created you with eternity on your heart. And as believers, what we believe is that when you surrender your life to Christ, that when you finally say, hey, I need a savior. I'm done trying to save myself, that you actually step into eternity with God. Like, like experiencing heaven, experiencing eternity isn't something that just happens when you die. It actually happens the moment that you step into a relationship with God. That we begin our eternity with the Father, that moment. And again, that's a reason for good news in the world today. Eternity is written on the human heart. And, and when you have eternity on your heart, 
when this is how your heart beats, is for eternity with God, for the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, you begin to say yes to things differently. You begin to say no to things differently because you have a vision for your life. And here's what you need to know. When you have a vision for your life, you're gonna tick some people off. You just need to be aware of that. Like when you begin to get a vision, you're gonna, you're gonna have to start saying no to people. Because really what's good, like, there will be all kinds of people throughout your life that want your attention, that want your money, that want your time. And when you have a vision for your life, you end up scattered, right? And you've been there before, right? Where you're like, man, I, I look at what I make, I look at the money that I make, and, and I, I feel like it's never enough. It's because we're scattered, we're spending it on all kinds of different things. We lack focus. Maybe you think, man, I have 24 hours in a, in a day. Well, it's never enough. It's because we're scattered, because we lack vision. And, and we really believe this as a church, that we really want to be a church with a vision. We want to be focused on something. And here's what I know, is that when a church has a vision, the church will make people upset. That we will frustrate people sometimes, and, and people will, you know, wonder why we don't do this or that. And, and here's what I've learned at this point in ministry, is I'm very okay with this. I've been through 15 years of people being upset with me not offering a certain ministry or us as a church not doing a certain thing or, or me not, you know, being available for certain things. And I just realized, man, if I have a vision for my life, then I begin to prioritize things. People are going to be upset, but I'll be focused. And as a church, we never want to fall into that where we're so scattered that we're doing so many different things that we lose vision. I mean, it feels right on the surface, right? Man, we're trying to help everybody. We're trying to do everything. But in the end, by lacking vision, we will give up the one thing or the few things that God actually has for us. Uh, I know we've probably got our friends Brent and Liz in Prague watching uh, right now. And hi, guys. We love you. Um, and, and these guys, I was with them a few weeks ago. And, and I was visiting with them. We traveled around Prague. And, and uh, they are our global staff. They are part of the ACF family that have moved there to be agents of the gospel to the people of Czech Republic. And so we send them uh, gift packages, and we encourage them, we support them financially. We, we want them to be there and to do the work of God there. And so when I was there, I met with them, and I met with one of uh, the, the leaders in their region um, who was kind of helping organize this, this movement of mission in the Czech Republic. And I was really kind of surprised that he made time for me because I'm, I'm just kind of like, I'm just here to visit Brent and Liz and, and this guy's, you know, giving up a bunch of his time and his day. He's got plenty going on uh, to sit down with me. And when I, when I had lunch with him, I was like, man, I know you're busy. Thanks for meeting with me. He's like, you have no idea. Most of our, our, our missionaries don't ever have a visit from their, their, their local pastor. Most of them never see them. And he was like, well, how many, how many missionaries, how many global initiatives do you guys actually have as a church? Because I know you guys are kind of a bigger church in Alaska. And I was like, um, just this one. And he was kind of taken aback, right? And if you don't know kind of about ACF, we're actually part of this global church planting movement called the Alliance. And uh, we have over 70 countries with 700 plus missionaries. And, and so we're part of this big movement. But out of ACF Church, we have two people that we're supporting on a global scale that are they're doing work in Czech Republic. And we are going to love the heck out of them. And we're going to spend time with them. And I'm Skyping with them during the week. And the reason that we're not spread all over the place is because we want to do a few things really well. And know this, that you will not be able to do many things well, but you will be able to do a few things really well in your life if you have a vision. Because as the old saying goes, when everything is equally important, nothing is important. 
So at some point, you have to prioritize. You have to say, like, what am I about in my life? And you also have to realize that you don't have an unlimited amount of time to do this, which is really where the technology part of this comes in, is that, you guys, I love to just, you know, waste a little bit of time watching some Netflix or surfing Facebook, but I got to be honest. At some point, I am sacrificing the vision that God has given me in my life for time wasters. At some point, I am actually giving up who God is creating me to be so that I can see what you thought about the last picture that I put on Instagram. And I know that sounds like, man, I think you're turning it into too much, but at some point, think of the the minutes and the hours that you spend doing all of these things, surfing a virtual world, when there are real people in the real world around you that need to hear the gospel. They need to see a little bit of heaven brought to earth. And so I just want, can we just be honest? I know there's probably steps on your toes if you're like, I love gaming, man, it's fine. Like, play your games, but not at the sacrifice of your vision. I mean, don't be willing to do that. James 4.14 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. In other words, those of you who are like, "Ah, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, here's my plan for life. Here's what I'm going to do. Verse 14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. This is really the echoing what's said in the book of Ecclesiastes that like, hey, we are just a vapor. Like, poof, we're gone. And to some of you, you're like, that's the most depressing thing I've ever heard in church. But that is really important. And as I turn not 40, 36 today, um, I'm thinking about my life. And I'm thinking about how life is short. And, and Wednesday night, I was just like distracted the whole time that I was bringing this message because I, I have an 11-year-old that's running a camera in the back. She's in middle school. And I just cannot believe how quickly life is ticking along, you know? I mean, at some point, we have to slow down and, and think about what's the difference that we're making. If I'm just a vapor, if I'm gone in a minute, will I have made any difference while I was here? Because time can be stewarded or wasted, but it cannot be bought. You can use it well, or you can waste it away, but you cannot add another minute to your life. And so what are you doing with it? What is your vision? Here's one of the things that I've been realizing is that I need to learn how to play the long game in life. Uh, I need to slow down. And uh, I I think one of the reasons that we don't play the long game is that we um, overestimate what we can do in the short term and underestimate what we can do in the long term. Isn't that right? Like when I was 20, I thought I could conquer the world by 25. I mean, I I just figured I could, by 25, I'm going to have everything that my parents have had after a lifetime of working, all the material possessions. I'm going to, you know, have the the family that I'm looking for. I'm going to be the man that I've always wanted to be here in five years. And yet I'm realizing that I underestimate what God will do through just the simple changes that I can make in my life. The small movements of your day-to-day life will turn into a lifetime worth of change. And yet so many of us, we want everything now. We're just, especially if you're younger, you're just wanting everything now. And I get that. But we underestimate what God wants to do through the small changes of life. We need to learn to play the long game. And here's what we know about technology. Is that technology is always about cheaper, easier, and faster. It's always, I want to give you everything right now. And in a virtual world, you can have the muscles of a bodybuilder, the possessions of a corporate executive, and the marksmanship of a Navy SEAL simply by pushing the on button. Right? 
You didn't spend the years that it took to build a business, to, to, to have the possessions that maybe you had in this, this virtual world. You know, you can, have the, you can look what it, like whatever you want to look like. You can pick your body in a virtual world, having never stepped foot in a gym. And you can go play, you know, Call of Duty or whatever it is, and, and you just put that little crosshair on whoever it is that you're shooting, and it hits them every time, right? And yet you haven't spent a minute on the range shooting a real weapon. And so it's like, but there's something about that that's attractive, isn't there? There's something about this fantasy world where I didn't have to put in all the effort. I can just kind of feel like I got it. And, and the thing that's missing is the building of your character that happens through the years of discipline that it takes to acquire those things. Like, we need to see the value of short little movements. I remember uh, when I was first taking a financial peace class and just struggling to understand some things about our personal finances, and I first understood the concept of compound interest. And you who are finance people are like, oh, that's basic. That's basic stuff. For me, this was revolutionary, right? Like, I can put 100 bucks away a month, and it turns into that when I turn 65? Are you kidding me? But nobody wants to do that when they're 20, right? In fact, we, uh, we did another class, and it was mostly 30-year-olds, but there was a young couple that was in their 20s, and I just wanted to grab them and then shake them and go, please believe this. I know you don't believe it, but just 100 bucks a month is going to change your, your whole retirement, you know? And it's just so hard to catch that vision when you're 20, but it starts making sense when you're 30, and then when you're 40, you just want to kick the 20-year-old version of yourself, right? And say, come on! But that's just life. We don't see the, the, the amazing changes that can happen through small movements. How are you living the short game in your life? Where have you bought a fantasy that you can be farther than, than you are? And, and you keep pursuing this without actually doing the day-to-day labor, letting God shape your character into the man or the woman he wants you to be. Maybe getting what you want would destroy you today. In fact, I, I just know this last week, somebody won $1.5 billion on the Powerball, right? Have they found them yet? I think they've been anonymous up to this point, but like $1.5 billion. If you're just praying this week, you need to pray for that person. Like, like pray that it does not destroy them. Because so many people that just have all of this money dropped in their lap, having never done the work that it takes to acquire it, it destroys them. We need to play the long game. How about in your faith? Are you playing long game Christianity or short game Christianity? Do you come to church when life is hard or when it's convenient, or are you actually part of the body of Christ contributing to the family day to day, just serving in your way, big or small? Are you playing short game Christianity or long game Christianity? Do you want to understand theology? Do you sometimes wish that you understood God a little bit better and the Bible better? And yet instead of reading your Bible for five minutes in the morning, you're just scrolling Facebook, right? Playing game, living in a virtual reality instead of doing the day-to-day work that it takes to, to become the man or woman that God has a vision for you to be. I was thinking about this. Praise God that God has a vision for us because we sometimes lack a vision for ourselves. Like, isn't it good that God sees us for where we're going and not just where we've come from? I mean, we get lost in our past. We get lost in, in, in man, I'm not qualified for this or, you know, oh, I've, I've done so much. And yet God has a vision for us for who he has intended us to be. And he's always calling us into it. And he's always beckoning us towards something greater. So as we kind of close out this, uh, t- this today, I want to close out in Ephesians chapter 1. 
And if you have a Bible, you can open this up uh, real quick or, or download the ACF Church app and all the scriptures are on there as well. Uh, but this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. What Paul is going to speak about is those who are blinded by the fantasies of life. Those who can't see the kingdom of God because they're so blinded by what's in front of them. And Paul's got a prayer for those people. And this is written to the church of Ephesus that I think we could relate to them. Um, it, I was actually able to go to Ephesus at one point. It's this beautiful port city. There's all this amazing architecture. There's the temple to Diana. Like there's all of this, this idol worship and all of this money flowing through this place. I mean, they were distracted, just like we're distracted. So I think we um, can hear the message that Paul has for them just the same way. He says this in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. So Paul's prayer for them, and I would say his prayer for us, is that we would actually have our eyes opened. Have our eyes opened. So, Again, there's some, there's some language going on here. We're trying to understand. What does it mean to have our, our eyes opened? Because um, you're like, you're, I, I can see you. My eyes are open. But Paul's talking about something much, much deeper. I think here's the point he's trying to make is that we perceive with our eyes, but we see with our hearts. Like we're perceiving things all the time. I mean, you have vision with your eyes, but you actually see with your hearts. And what Paul is praying is that our hearts are actually open to see the vision of the kingdom of God right in front of us. That we begin to see ourselves for the men and women that God wants us to be, the vision that God has for us. That you would start to see your coworkers and your boss and your spouse not simply as who they are, but with a vision for who God has created them to be. I mean, think of how that would change your relationships. If no longer did you see people for what they'd done or where they've come from, but you actually started to see them for the vision that God had for them? I mean, think of how that would change. You'd just have so much more grace and you'd, you'd have so much more hope for them. And this is Paul's prayer for them is that their eyes of their hearts might be opened. Kind of a picture of this in my own life. Um, <laughs> my wife and I were watching a movie a couple weeks ago, and uh, anybody just a crier during movies? Any, any weepers in the room? Okay, a few of you. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a weeper. I don't cry during movies ever. It, they just never hit me. But yet a couple weeks ago, we were watching something. I'm not going to tell you the movie because you'd laugh at me. Um, <laughs> people ask me after last service. I'm like, I'm just not going to tell you. Um, but I was watching a movie, and, uh, well, and Mason told me his movie's Inside Out, by the way. Don't tell anyone. So he said he's just like weeping like a baby when he saw it. So give him a hard time for that one. Anyway, um, we are watching the movie. All of a sudden, like, I feel the emotion coming. I'm like in the moment. With, with these actors and just the tears start flowing and I'm just like ugly crying all over the blanket on the couch trying to hide it from my wife who's right next to me, you know. And, and uh, I was just thinking about what happened in that moment. Like, where did the emotion come from? Really what was going on is that I began to experience what the director had in mind all along, Right? Like the director was like, this is the tears moment, right? This is my vision for this moment. Is this, whoever's watching this, these are what they're gonna 
feel, these emotions are going to well up inside of these people during this scene. And I began to like internalize and in my heart actually kind of feel this moment in a way that erupted in emotion, right? And what Paul is praying is that we do more than walk through life just simply seeing with our eyes. Like that's what everybody around us does. That's what the world does. We just see with our eyes. But we begin to actually see with our hearts. That we begin to like feel what God feels for people. Feel what God feels for the world. Feel what God feels for us. And that when we do, we actually start to catch a vision. So Paul's like, hey, I'm praying that the eyes of your hearts would be opened to a greater vision for the world, a greater vision for your life. You see, what sin is, is sin is virtual reality. That's what it is. See, see when we pursue sin, when we allow uh, these things, these habits into our lives or these thoughts into our minds, we continue to act upon them, what we're doing is we're believing a virtual reality. We're actually saying, God, what you say is true is not true, but what I believe is true is true. And see, what Jesus wants to give us is reality. And this is the opposite. Your friends who are unchurched, or maybe you, if you're uh, not from a church background or not a Christian, you might be like, no, no, I believe in reality. But as believers, we look at the world and we're like, I don't know that I like what I see. I'm not sure that people who are seeing with just their eyes are actually experiencing the best out of life. Again, I'm not sure the world is any better because of that. And yet, when I pursue what Jesus says is best, my life flourishes. That's what I know. And I wonder for you if you would take God at his word and and see God not as one who is trying to rob you from joy, but who's trying to give it to you. And impart upon you the greatest and deepest joy and peace that you might have. So as we close, just three things that I see in this passage um, that God will impart upon us as the eyes of our heart are opened. Verse 18, he says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, here it is, that you may know what the hope, know what is the hope to which he has called you. So the first thing we get is a hope. One way that you can know that the eyes of your heart have not been opened is that you walk through life kind of hopeless. Um, you give way to a culture of cynicism, and in, in our society, cynicism is a virtue, right? The more cynical you are, the more educated you must be. Yet, yet as God's people, we have this strange hope in a world that seems hopeless. Like this kind of like thing that people can't put their, their finger on, but they're just like, there's something about you that's hopeful. And the only way that we could be hopeful in the world that we live in is if we have a vision for what's to come. Because the way it is, it looks pretty dim. And it looks pretty gloomy. And things are pretty bad. And so, as you think of your life, when have you been hopeless? When have you struggled to have hope? And and I would say that during those times, it's probably when you failed to catch the vision of God for your situation. Because when you catch a vision that God has for you, and and God has for your life, all of a sudden you're just kind of filled with hope, right? And this isn't like a, you know, this kind of like, angels and unicorns, like everything's going to be happy, my life is perfect kind of hope. I mean, this is hope in despair. This is hope even when it's getting worse because you know what's to come in the future. He continues on, he says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So the next thing that he's praying that our eyes would be open to is an inheritance. First, a hope and also an inheritance. Now, when we read inheritance in the scriptures, a lot, a lot of times we think of God's inheritance for us. 
Like that we have an inheritance that we receive in Christ as, as one of his children adopted into the family that we actually receive an inheritance. All that God has for us. And I think that's true. But that's not what Paul's talking about in this moment. Paul's actually saying that you are God's inheritance. You are God's inheritance. God has value in you. And he sees you with riches and glory because of what he has poured into you. And so when you have a vision, you see, man, God has an inheritance in me. He's pouring things into me. I actually bear the image that God has. And then continuing on, verse 19, he says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? The last thing that I see that your eyes would be open to is a vision. A vision. That you, do you guys know that you have a measurable power? We believe that the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead actually lives in those who are in Christ. And that you are created, as Ephesians 2 chapter 10 says this, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Like God has a vision for you that you're to walk in good works and that you were created with immeasurable kingdom power. And I just wonder for you, has that been unleashed on the world? Has that been unleashed on your family? Because without a vision, it will never be unleashed. You were created to be filled up and wrung out by the gospel, by the good news. And I was just thinking about this, like, a while back, I was sitting on a mountain, we were, uh, we were hunting, and I was thinking about how I hadn't seen any animals for like a few days. And I was getting depressed. I'm like, man, I'm sure glad I don't live in a time where like you had to live off of what you shot or what you killed in the woods because I'd be dead. My family would be dead because, you know, we weren't seeing anything. And I was just thinking back into a time where man had to like fight for their dinner, right? You had to go out there and like wrestle your moose away from a grizzly bear. And, you know, you actually had to work for your dinner, and, and, and like for me, like that's just not me. I, I get I get winded carrying a latte to the car from Star. Like, and I'm just thinking, like, man, we've come a long ways, and in some ways, like, forgotten that we were created to work. We were created with with things that we we're meant to do, and in so many ways, I think that we've become sort of lazy. And in that laziness, we maybe just intended to to just kill a little bit of time, and before we know it, we've given up. God's vision for our lives. And I just wonder for you, without boundaries, without drawing a line on on technology or even other people's expectations out of you, I just want you to know you will not live a life of vision. But when you catch what God has for you and understand that you were created with a purpose, you'll start to say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. You'll start to take Jesus at his word. And I wonder how much might change in even just our church if we all caught a vision. Like some of you are caught up in so much frustration with your life. Um, You're frustrated with your marriage. You're you're frustrated with your job. But I wonder if you caught a vision and you stopped buying a fantasy, how it might change your marriage. I mean, one of the most dangerous things in a marriage is that you'd pursue some kind of fantasy. You find yourself thinking about who you wish your spouse was instead of saying that, man, God has a vision for my marriage. I mean, maybe it's your job and you're just like, I hate going to work on Monday, Brian. I am not excited about tomorrow. And God wants to replace your fantasy of the perfect job for a vision that you might be an agent of grace in a workplace that maybe needs it. 
I don't know where you find yourself in life where you've pursued a fantasy, but God wants to give you a vision. And we as God's people as a whole, I mean, we were created to be wrung out by the gospel, to be used by God, to be agents of grace to the world. And I wonder how much of our frustration and how much of our angst might go away if we were so busy working for Christ that we were so less apt to be caught up in being sad about our own issues and being caught up in our own problems. See, once again, the good news is about a God who reigns and rules on earth as it is in heaven. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, all of a sudden our problems get smaller and our issues seem more insignificant. And you can go through really difficult things and yet you can see a purpose behind them. And I love this passage in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. You see, when you face trials and you've been living in a VR world, it seems really weird, right? You're like, oh, real pain? Real, like, I don't know what it's like to feel. We're supposed to feel real pain. It continues on. He says, verse 13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Don't buy the fantasy. Life's not going to be perfect. You won't achieve every goal you have set, but you can pursue a vision and live a life on purpose. And that's what you were made to do. And I believe that when we do, when we all begin to work towards that vision, it will change the state of Alaska. It will change the world. And so let's be that kind of a church, a church with a vision. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you've given us a reason to be here. And God, I just want to confess that uh, I have settled for less than the vision you've given to me. And many times I just want to escape. Uh, I just want to get away from the challenges that I face. And God, I want to repent of that. And I want to turn to you and ask you, God, that you'd allow me to see my life the way that you see it. God, I pray that the eyes of all of our hearts would be enlightened would be opened. God, I know there's people in our lives that we have failed to see with a vision, even people that we've given up on. And even in our own lives, God, we have failed to see ourselves for who you are making us into because we're so caught up in who we've been. God, forgive us for defining us, not by your vision for us, but by our sin, by our mistakes, by our failures. And God, so we look forward to better things and we see that even as the darkness grows darker in the world around us, that the light of the gospel becomes brighter. So God, we pray that we could live on purpose. We pray we could live as, as a people on, on mission with a vision. And God, as we worship in the next few moments, could we just worship you? Seeing you for who you are and all of your grace and all of your love for us. Thank you for accepting us. Thank you for loving us. God, thank you for giving us something greater to live for. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.